the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. So as, as you heard me share with the children, as, as you all know, we wrapped up the Old Testament just in time. It just so happened uh, that we were ready to move right into the Christmas story. And so as I, as I was considering, now we're going to preach our way through the New Testament, all the way to the end, to the last chapter of Revelation. So we're going to be here a while, all this week, right now. No. Uh, so, so of the Gospels, the last time I think, it was a long time ago when we were working our way through the New Testament, I, I began with the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called synoptic Gospels. I'm not breaking all that down. John's the odd one, if you will. It's different. It doesn't start, I'll say, with a story. And so as we, I always do, when we embark upon a new book, I try to give you some information about that book. And of course, we call it the Gospel of John. The question is, why do we do that? Did you know John, in the book of John, John nowhere names himself, hi, I, John, wrote this book. You know, it's a lot easier uh, with the other Gospels. And of course, like Paul's letters or so on, it says his name. So why do we assume this is written by John. Well, we know in John 19 and, and John 21, it talks about the disciple whom Jesus loved. And um, people want to get in some consternation about who that is, and the internal evidence for that will go through as we go through the book. But it's also interesting to know that uh, early ancient church fathers, now there's ancient church fathers, that's in the first couple centuries. Then there's early church fathers, as referred to in the theological realm. Those from like three, four, five, six hundred, that kind of thing. So the ancient church fathers, including guys like Irenaeus and Theophilus and these other people, they all said this was John as well. So this isn't something made up by the Catholic Church like so many people want to attribute the Bible to, that there wasn't one, you know, till Constantine in the 300s. That's not so, and we'll go more into that as we talk about the date. But even the Gnostics, if you know who they were, okay, the, one of the Gnostics named Ptolemy, like in Egypt, named that way, actually wrote a commentary on John in about 150. Okay? Uh, he really does a major bad twist job on John chapter 1, thus he's a Gnostic. But the point is this, is, is even at that point, that early, they're attributing this gospel to John, and they go through all the reasons why that is, and I'm not going to do that today. When did this was written? That's the tough one, because John's the last gospel to be written. Okay, Compared to Luke, who Luke does investigative reporting. 
He interviews people. I mean, he is writing a history. That's what he set out to do. John set out for a little different purpose. But what I think is interesting, there's a papyri. You guys remember what papyri is? Those made out of that plant in Egypt. It contains parts of John okay, and, and parts of Luke. It's dated from about 110 to 150. Now, that's a 40, 50-year range because they, don't date, they date it by the handwriting. Now, realize John died somewhere around 100. If we have pieces of John okay, and Luke from 110 to 150, that's close to his lifetime. Okay? They estimate he, he wrote it somewhere in the 90s. Okay, that's the zero 90s, not 1990s. All right. He wrote it then. This is pretty close. If you wanted to look at the writings of Aristotle, Plato, of Homer, all their other ancient Greek authors, you don't come close to that. 500 years in one case, 1,000 years in another case. We're getting that close to the lifetime of this. And uh, John is quoted again by a guy named Hippolytus in, in 120. This papyri was found in Egypt, is where it came from. That also tells me by the time this is written, whether it's 110 or 150, it had circulated enough that people are writing about it, and there's copies of it in Alexandria. What I also find interesting is, please don't get overwhelmed with the, okay, but this thing called the Codex Vaniketis, it's a, like a book. A Codex is not quite like a book, okay? That's the most ancient extent copy of the Bible we have. As a whole, there's some parts been tore out of it, but as a general, we have it as a whole Bible. And people would question if that Bible... Man, was that really what that... That's awful far from the time it was written. Well, when they found this particular papyri in 1961, okay, in the areas of John, and in the area of John, it's 92% accurate with something written 150 years later. And with Luke, the parts of it is Luke is 94% accurate. That is huge. You, you can't find that in ancient documents. Here's the point. Between the time whenever this papyri was written and the time where we have a full Bible, they were very meticulous at keeping it straight. Okay? So but many people will tell you that the Bible was, not, it was invented by the Catholic Church or the Church in the late 300s in the time Constantine comes along and makes Christianity the official religion. Don't buy that. And the reason I throw up sort of the science and the history first, because when you're talking to an unbeliever, a person who wants to question, okay, uh, the authenticity of the scriptures you have today, information like this is very helpful, okay? But it also lets you know, when we come to John, John's written this, it's pretty close to his lifetime that we have parts of it. Now, the Gospel of John has many declarations about the deity of Jesus Christ. This is why it's so important many, many, many proclamations of God's love and humanity's need for a Savior. Thus, John 3.16 and 17 and 18. You really need to read those in context. Okay? But John makes clear his purpose in writing his gospel. If you go to chapter 20, you don't have to go there at the moment because we're going to read John 1, but in 20, verses 30 and 31, here's what he says. Now Jesus did many signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I wrote this so people would believe in Jesus Christ. 
It's just straight up. He tells you that. That's why he wrote it. Okay, but, but it's not just for, we would say, well, then it's for the unbeliever. And to be honest, when somebody first comes to Christ, and what should I read in the Bible? I say, read the Gospel of John, okay, because it affirms that belief. But it's not just for them, because if you read later in John, in John chapter 8, it's, it's encouraging those who, do, who believe to persevere and encourage them to continue to walk out the faith, the belief they have. So it's not just for that. It's intriguing. You've heard of the seven I am's of Christ. Anybody ever heard somebody do a sermon on that? Or, okay, all out of John. That is, you know, I am the bread of life. I am the light. I am the door. I am the great good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, those I am's all come right out of John. Okay, the I am's come out of John. That should strike a bell with somebody. Okay, so we've got something relatively early to his time. Okay, by it actually says in here by what we saw, what we heard. That's a report, eyewitness account, and he begins with this deep John chapter one. If you'll turn there, please. When you're there, please stand. It is our tradition to stand for the reading of God's word. If you are unable, of course, we don't expect you to stand. Okay, I'll I'll read um, the whole thing, but we will only cover about four verses today. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that's come into being. Doesn't that sound like you're reading a philosophy book? Okay. In Him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was a true light which coming in the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. And he came to his own. Those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from God, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and crying out, saying, This is he whom I have said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I and existed before me. For of his fullness... We have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen the Father at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. I'm reading from the NAS. You may be seated. The NAS being the New American Standard Bible. 
Now, one of the reasons I believe, this is my belief, that John doesn't slap his name on this gospel on purpose. He refers to himself as the disciple God loves. He doesn't want to confuse this him, John, with John the Baptist. He starts with John the Baptist, and I want to make sure you don't mix that John up with this John. So I'm not putting my name at the beginning of this and refers to him in that way. That's my opinion. That's opinion of some others as well. To me, that's of all the reasons I've read of why John doesn't label it, to me that one makes the most sense because there was two Johns and we didn't want to mess you up. Okay? So we begin with that very difficult phrase to grasp at times. In the beginning was the Word. I want to just start and break it down like I do in the beginning. At the beginning point, I mean, I, we don't need Greek on this, right? The beginning is the beginning, all right? When the universe came into being, there was nothing, and suddenly there was something. Now, it's intriguing when you talk to those uh, physicists and scientists, you know, there was nothing, and then the gravity caused this explosion of the singularity and created the Big Bang. There was, whoa, whoa, stop. What does nothing mean? Again, you don't need Greek or Hebrew. You know nothing means well, nothing. If nothing was there, there couldn't have been gravity or a singularity of some sort. There was nothing. Okay, and, and then, you know, the philosophers for eons back has realized if there is something today, there had to be something that preexisted it that didn't have a beginning. And, and we've talked about that on, on Wednesday nights. So. So even though this is in the same phraseology as you see in Genesis, if you take the, the Septuagint, that is the Old Testament, translated to Greek, okay, it, these exact same words are there, in the beginning. Now, that is in the beginning, what, in Genesis? In the beginning, God created. In the beginning was the Word. I don't, I don't think John does that accidentally because he's trying to get across to you that the Word is God, all right? So it make, makes sense. But John's focus, what he says here, isn't about creation. Even though he mentions creation here a little bit later, that, that's not his point. His focus is on being. And you go, what? Because you have four incidents of the word was. And remember, I know you guys hate it when I do this. Remember English class? whether high school or college, and the form of being. Remember, I am, is, was, were. So, was the word, was with God, okay, was God. His focus here is on essence. I know there's a fancy, we, there's a fancy word for that when we talk about being. That word is ontology. Okay, that's John's focus here. It's not the fact of creation, he talks about creation, to show the essence of the word. The, what kind of being, if I could say it like that, the word is. But this is why John the Baptist says in verse 15, the one that's coming after me, the one who's coming after me, was before me. Uh-oh. This, this, I'm sorry, this is one of the places where people who want to criticize the Bible, look, contradiction. They use that kind of statement. No, no. John himself, John the Baptist, recognized that a little bit in front of him was a relative, okay, a nephew, in front of him that he's baptized. But, but even though he's standing in front of me now, and I was, he, John was actually born before Jesus, 
six months. Even though I was born before him, he was before me. So John's affirming that kind of thought, that the Word's been around that. Why? But then it talks about not in the beginning was the Word. Now, the Word is capitalized in your Bible, I'm assuming. That Word, the Word. We find out down in verse 15, and the Word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacle, okay, among us. Okay, so I don't say that this is Jesus because I make it up. Okay, John explains that that word, that's God, came and lived here. Okay, and as we go through the text, the Bible, we know that's what he's talking about, so we're not just making that up. And you, you can go online right now. These people read this and they think that was Jesus. Why did they say that was Jesus? Because John says it so. Okay, um, so anyway, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with, now I'm going to be frank, Word was with the God. We don't, we don't see that, we don't read that in English, but the definite article, and I say that again, the definite article is there in the Greek. The reason I say that is because there's some people might come knock on your door and, and bring to you the watchtower version of the Bible, where they put the indefinite article into this John, okay, that is a God. All right? So they, they showed up my door some years ago. They stopped coming too some years ago. But, but you know, they always have an, an older person with, you know, sort of mentoring the younger person at your door. And, uh, oh, oh, great. Oh, good. Can I see your Bible? And you, you guys, Jesus was God. No, 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 no. He's crazy being. He's like Michael the Archangel. And, and uh, well, John in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, he was God, not an angel. No, it doesn't say that. And I, well, just a minute. So I go inside and I grab a Greek New Testament. And I turn to him and says, can you show me the, indef- the indefinite article in the Greek, please? Show, show me where the A is there. In the, you should see them start backing up pretty soon. The older gentleman was up front, had pushed the younger guy to the back. So I sent him over to the Mormons next door. But anyway, <laughs> I did. Well, try over there. <laughs> Thought that would be an interesting conversation to listen to. Okay, but it's important that the, the definite article is here. The God, what God? Well, he's writing to the people of his day. Particularly at that time, most of the church you know, started in the Jewish world. John's in the Jewish world. Now, even though Gentile believers are definitely here by this point, Paul's done all of his missionary journeys kind of thing. Okay? They're going to the God. But with, the word with, and again, I don't want to be too technical, but the word with, you ought to just go look at them in the dictionary right now in English. Oh my goodness. There are more definitions for the word with. Okay? We think it's pretty simple, but there's more to that, okay? But being in, in this particular case, in the same place at the same time, doing the same thing. By the way, those are just definitions that I took out of the English dictionary. It demonstrates this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. It demonstrates there's distinction, right? was with God, but then the next verse he turns around and identifies them exactly the same was with God, and the word was God, not a God. Uh, matter of fact, if you wanted to literally read that, okay, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and God was the word. That's the actual word order in, in the Greek. Okay, So God and the word are identified with one another. 
And I know we all start, our brains start to hurt when we start talking about the Trinity. And they have people ask, well, why isn't the Holy Spirit mentioned here? Because he's not trying, John's not trying to point out the deity of the Holy Spirit here. He's trying to point out the deity of Jesus so he can tell you about the cross. Okay? So in Revelation 19, verse 13, speaking here of Christ the bridegroom, is clothed with a robe dripped in blood. There's a picture we don't want in today's world. And his name is called the Word of God. So it isn't just in Genesis we get there's other places you can get that as well. But there's a very strong picture of Jesus Christ. His name is the Word of God. Now wait a minute. Remember, remember we did the Christmas story? And his name shall be called Emmanuel. God with us. Or God dwelling among us, which we see in John as well. Okay? I find intriguing that, and again, a little bit of history, there was this guy named Pliny. Okay? Um, Trajan, the Roman emperor, says, I want you to find out about this Christianity thing. He's a governor down uh, more towards Judea, okay? Uh, what we call Asia Minor. And so he starts gathering up Christians and torturing them to find out, because he doesn't think they're going to tell him the truth, I guess. Okay, um, And some of them give way, deny their Christianity. But in his letter to Trajan, written around 110 A.D., speaking of what was told him by Christians he took incarcerated okay, and questioned, on a stated day, they had been accustomed to meeting before daybreak. So what day of the week is that? Why would they be meeting before daybreak? Before daybreak, while it was still dark, the women went to the tomb. So what day of the week was this? Yeah, I can give you all kinds of this. These people tell you the church has all been meeting on Saturday until the modern times, and that's the mark of the beast thing. Well, anyway, okay? To meet together before daybreak and to recite hymns or sing hymns among themselves to Christ as though he were God. So when he questioned Christians, what do you just you people do when you get together? Because there was all kinds of questions about that. We, we, we sing, sing songs to Jesus Christ, our God. Okay? Um, and again, if you want to look that up, you can look it up in Pliny's Epistles, Book 10, Paragraph 96. Okay? If you don't remember that, email me. If you're one of that kind of person, some of you like to look at that. But this is reaffirmed in Totilian's Apologia. That is, he then is writing to governors, Totilian is, about, I can't remember, oh, 80 years later, about the injustices and the way Christians were treated. They weren't getting fair trials and so on. He recounts Pliny's torture. Okay, he actually says that Pliny killed some of them. All right, and and he recalls that Trajan says, um, "Yeah, you know, just because somebody says Fred or whoever is a Christian, you can't convict them on that. You gotta actually have to talk to them and see what they admit." Of course, that's where Trajan would torture them to get them to admit what he wanted, and then he talks about they would make offers of incense to the Roman god, in particular, whoever the Caesar was at the time. Okay, have you guys heard that before? Okay, so, so when one of the ways he'd get them to recant and w- to show that the recanting was true is they would offer sacrifices to the Roman gods, even if it's just incense. Okay, um, but um, sounds like fun, doesn't it? But anyway, uh, Tertullian 
recounts this story as he's trying to petition for better rights, I'll say it like that, for Christians 80 years later. Okay? So we see John saying that Jesus was God. Did the early church think so? Yes. No matter what some people want to tell you, the early church believed that Jesus was God. It wasn't just the Council of Nicaea or the Council at Chalcedon, which we've talked about before, not those that established it. It was done in the church well before that. Okay? So we see his relationship with God. He's with God, same place, same time, doing the same things. He's of the same essence as God, okay? the same being. All right? But we also see his relationship to the world. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. So we see something related to things that are. And what's really interesting, it says he was in the beginning with God. Literally, this man was with God in the beginning. That's literal. Okay? Translated he. Okay? So here they are. He's talking about, now he's going to talk about them doing the same thing. Not only in the same place, but they're doing the same thing. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being. Stop. There's more to that verse, but that last half really confuses people. So we'll stop there and we'll keep, we'll keep going, but I'll break this part first. John wants to make sure, now he's talking about the deity of God, but he doesn't want you to bypass that first word he used, beginning. He says, okay, he's God, but I don't want you to bypass that. I want to bring you back to that idea, okay? He is God's companion in the work of creation. In the beginning, God created the, in the beginning was word, and nothing was created without the word. There's something going on together in this process. This person that he's introducing to us through this analogy of the word is the creator of the universe. All matter, so all earth, all humanity, he created. But not just that. All the non-matter stuff in the universe. You go, what? Yeah, this thing called gravity. Energy. Now, we know, based on Einstein's theory, relatively, matter and energy are interrelated. But we think about God creating the animals, and here's the giraffe and the elephant, and we've all seen the pictures of the Garden of Eden. But you know, the elephants aren't floating through space, are they? They're, they're on the ground. Through him, all things that exist created. The, the, the thing that holds your atoms together so they don't blow apart that magnetic force you had fun playing with magnets as a kid the electricity that runs makes these light bulbs electrons moving all that created through him this is pastor randy reams and i want to thank you for joining us today for truths from god's unchanging word this broadcast is a ministry outreach of kindred bible church in nampa idaho and if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media and there you can also subscribe to the podcast if you're being ministered to by this broadcast i'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry giving is easy just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give there you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter but if you prefer you can send your gift to kbc p.o box 32 nampa Idaho 83653. 
Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.